Just before you take your seats, I want to read you the verse that we're into today is, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. God bless you. Take your seat today. It's so good to see you. You know, doing this spiritual armor series is not just a neat little series that we can go through and uh, one piece after the other, and that's just a great series to have. Actually, the heart behind it, my heart behind it, is so that you can be equipped for your life, so that you can live your life in whatever sphere, and that you have ways of being able to say, wow, this is a great way to come at life and to win. I don't know about you, but um, please don't raise your hand at this. Um, I think it's normal protective measures for us all to wear a seatbelt. And if there was anybody who didn't wear a seatbelt in the house when you are driving, uh, is there anybody that does that? Please don't raise your hand because you'll get all scowly looks from everybody around you. You know, I'm sure that it could happen, though, that if you didn't wear a seatbelt one time, that you'd get away with it. You could get away with it, couldn't you? And nothing could happen and you arrive at your destination safely, either not caught by the police or, or not having an accident or anything. And uh, how many of you lock your door at night, e- even though that you uh, don't think there are lots of bad people on your street, you know, that you still lock your door at night? But it could happen, couldn't it, that, that maybe you forgot one night, you left the door open and, and nothing happened and you'd get away with it. Uh, it could happen, couldn't it? You know, and maybe having a car seat for the children. I remember the, the days when, when we used to bring people to church, it was everybody pile in the car. You could get 20 people in the car and get everybody to church. Remember that? And all the children were in the boot or in the back. You know, I, I mean, today it's like, no, they have to be strapped in, booster seat, car seat, their weight, and you weigh them before they get in and check their height, and we, you know, and... We do all that. We broke so many laws when I was growing up. I once remember traveling in a Vauxhall Viva, which had a wavy edge on the back of it to make it look like a boat, from Blackpool to Stoke-on-Trent in the little recessed boot bit in the back and thinking it was great. Lorries behind you at the back window. My dad was saying, you all right back there? I'm saying, yeah, it's great. We used to live in all sorts of things. Now, people of not my generation, you're probably looking at me now and going, man, I am so glad I wasn't born at that time. (laughs) You know, I agree, you know. And some of us, we live in an overcautious way, and some of us live in a too risky way. But we all have to admit, we all live in this protective measures kind of lifestyle now. And and praise God for it. That's a, a great thing. It's probably... A really good thing behind it. For some of us are far too cautious though. You know, we, we, have you noticed in British culture, if your shoelace is undone, 20 people come to you and say, shoelace is undone, you could break your neck. <laughs> you know, and I don't know how many people have ever broken their neck from having a shoelace undone. But apparently that's the big danger behind a shoelace being undone. And I agree, if I see your shoelace undone, I'm going to bow down and... And, and tie it for you because I don't want you to break your neck. 
Some people are very cautious, aren't they? You know, they dab their face with, with cotton wool and think, oh, I better not do this in case a strand goes in my eye and it gets infected. I have to, you know, do all of that. Some people are far too risky. But what I've noticed about spiritual warfare is, is that we've placed it into a specialist category. We've placed it into a category that says spiritual warfare is for only those people who are either really spiritual and in a season for me, if I'm under a particular attack or if I'm in a season of particular hardship, then I need to be involved in spiritual warfare. And I just believe that actually spiritual warfare is not this. It's normal protective measures. It's as normal as putting your seatbelt on. It's as normal as putting your children in a car seat. It's as normal as going, as locking the house at night. Putting on spiritual armor. And what we've been learning is, is actually putting on the attitudes and the behaviors of Jesus should be something that we do regularly and normally because often we're under continual attack and often we are in a place where we will have seasons of attack that we need to protect ourselves about. So can I just say to you that what we're talking about is normal Christian behavior. Now, the shield of faith is the only piece of armor that is uh, said what its function is, so that you may extinguish or quench the fiery darts of the enemy. It's the only piece of armor that defines its, its use right there. And what I want you to do, want you to notice is there's a little phrase, and you have a look in your Bible, it says something like, in addition to this, or uh, above all else, or with everything else, no matter how they translated the Greek, it says that this piece of armor, what it means in the Greek is you have to use it in every situation that you're in. With every other piece of armor, it's like double protection. If you wear the breastplate of righteousness, you hold the shield in front of that. If you're wearing the helmet of salvation, you hold the shield above that. It's like in everything you do, use this piece of armor comprehensively. That's what that little phrase means. Now, the shield that it's talking about here is not a little round shield. It's actually a large oblong shield. It's from the Latin Suctum, and uh, the Greek word thairos, where the, the name shield is from, actually they, they get the name door from that. It's as big as a door. And the lesson in that is that you can be confident that if you use this, it will protect you. This is not something to think, oh, I, I hope this works. This shield is comprehensive. It's big enough for your life, so learn how to use it. Faith, the faith that's being talked about here, has three aspects to it. When it talks about shield of faith, these three aspects you must plait or braid or intertwine together in your life. The first is this. The faith that's being talked about here is the conviction of truth in your life that leads to trust. That you've so come to say 
that something is true that you've started to trust that it's true. You're not just saying, oh, God's my provider, that you have worked that truth through that you now trust that God is your provider. That's the type of faith that's being talked about here. It's a faith where we say, I trust you, Lord. I wonder if you could perhaps pray along with me and and say under your breath right now, "I, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. But it's about that you've discovered truths and you begin, you're so convicted about those truths that you have said, no, I I trust you. The second element of this faith is this resolute reliance on him and his word. That you don't just read the Bible, that this book and the words here, that it's not like Shakespeare and words on a page that that kind of inspire you or or quotes that you may have uh, in an inspirational book or a journal, that actually these words have become to you your baseline that they are, as the Bible says in Proverbs 30 verse 5, every word of God is flawless and he is a shield that takes refuge in him. That the Bible has become your script and baseline for your life. And actually, as you've been reading it over the years, you now begin to reference it and say, that's where I am putting my trust. So you've got to plot this type of faith. I'm convinced of some truths, and I take the word of God as my baseline. The third element of faith is that we trust the faithfulness of God himself to uphold you. It's not just you trust a book or some truths, but actually you're trusting the person behind all of this. The Bible says that the Lord himself is a shield around me, the the glory and the lifter of my head. It's God who's my shield. Now here's an important lesson. A lesson that I really want you to catch. Although the shield of faith involves an act of believing, I'm not asking you to have faith in faith. I'm asking you and pointing you to the person behind the faith that you have faith in the person. The God of the Bible, not just the Bible. The faithfulness of the one who has created all of this. It's like some people, you know, they, they, they believe in marriage. And they, they, they want marriage. Actually, and that may be a, a good thing to do, but actually, you don't just fall in love with marriage, you fall in love with a person whom you marry. Do you get what I mean, church? So don't just fall in love with faith and have faith in faith. But actually, you begin to say, no, I... I resolutely trust the person behind faith and I'm committed to him and it's him who I trust you see your faith needs an object the Bible says that even this faith as small as a mustard seed if you put that mustard seed in the right person then it's the object of your faith it's the object of your love it's the object of where you're putting your trust that's got the power So one more time with me, could you just pray along with me and just pray, 
God, I trust you. Just pray, pray that. Just under your breath. See, what I'm trying to do is get you to move in your spirit a bit and say, God, I trust you. It's you who I'm in love with. Not just the mechanics of church. Let's look at this verse in two halves. I'd like to take the second half first and then talk about the first half in a moment. The nature of the attack is that we have fiery darts that come to us. The, the experience that this, this describes is that these are swift, unexpected, they have immediate effect and they can be destructive and deadly. And what the Bible's talking about here is piercing thoughts that inflame your mind. Sensational thoughts and strong things that come to you. They're almost a thought and a feeling at the same time. And I've described them in this way. It's a piercing thought that inflames doubt or distraction. David was walking along his terrace one day and a fiery dart inflamed his mind when he saw Bathsheba. And we know that that story plays out in very tragic consequences. And the Bible says that uh, in the Psalms, it, the psalmist says, My heart grew hot within me while I meditated. The fire burned and then I spoke with my tongue. Here's a little tip with you. When your fire is burning, don't speak. Don't speak. When you're inflamed, Until you go, and then leave it a while, a while, a while, a while, until you've had ice baths, cold water, cold showers, then speak in love and gentleness. See, the fiery dart gets hot and inflames your mind, and it's immediate and gives you distraction. Another way you can describe these thoughts are the thoughts as if God is doing something unjust to you. Now, come on, I guess we've all had that. Lord, why, why is this happening to me? Don't you know that I go to church? Job had this same experience in the Bible. He even said it like this in Job 6. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. Now we know from the background information from Job that Satan was attacking Job as well. But Job just put it all on God and said, God, you're doing this. And that's what a fiery dart is. The enemy will often shoot it in your mind to say, hey, you thought you were doing so good as a Christian? Look how God's treating you. In fact, later on in the book of Job, in, in chapter 9, verse 24, Job has this conversation about how the land is going bitter. And he says, uh, is this the Lord? If it's not the Lord, then who is it? And he starts getting a clue that some other voices speak to us. And actually, if we're going to describe fiery darts, that's what I would say to you thirdly is that fiery darts are often harsh and demanding voices in your mind. Promptings that are harsh and demanding. You know, I haven't wallpapered a wall for over 25 years, and I, and I thought I'd have a go this week and, 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 and start wallpapering again. And, 
And the voices in my head were, you're never going to be able to do this. I think that was my own self-confidence. I'm not sure it was the devil. But I do think that often the voices in your head can be very harsh, very demanding, very, come on, get your butt into gear type voice. And actually, my experience is that the Lord's voice is very gentle, very loving, very affirming. So I want to say to you, test the spirits. The Bible says, don't obey everything straight away. The Lord's voice is often gentle. I guess that's the same with personal prophecy. And on, and on Wednesday night, I'm going to be teaching some things about the principles of the prophetic and how you can recognize what the Lord's voice is in that. The Lord's voice, when, when you're hearing a prophecy, is comforting and encouraging. The Lord's voice is there to build up or to stir up or to cheer you up. The Lord's voice never contradicts Scripture. The Lord's voice always glorifies Jesus. You know, I'm not sure that prophets should be able to bring glory to themselves. G. Campbell Morgan once said, when you come to my church, I don't want you to leave church saying, what a great sermon. I want you to leave church saying, what a great Christ. And here, I don't want you to leave BCC thinking, what a great time. I want you to think, what a great God. Because everything we do should glorify Jesus. It should lift him up and should give him praise. In fact, why don't we just give him one more hand clap of praise right now? Just because we love him. Let's glorify Jesus. Jesus is the important one. Jesus is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the one that we want to flow in. You know, I want to glorify him. So the voice of God, even though when we have a prophecy, we should seek counsel from, from spiritual leaders, the key ideas is this. Would that voice that you're hearing in your head, would Jesus really say that to you? Would it be that harsh? Would that blackmailing voice come from Jesus. Just imagine, you know, Nick and Rachel were, were sitting opposite each other in those two chairs earlier. If you could imagine that you're sitting opposite Jesus in a chair, is what you're hearing, if Jesus was speaking that to you, would that really be him? That harsh, blackmailing voice? If it's not Jesus' voice, then whose is it? Now, I know it may be from our own self-confidence or poor spirit, but often it's the voice of the enemy shooting a fiery dart into our minds. And he's trying to distract you and inflame you. You know, there are times when you can tell there's a fiery dart when you have a sudden temptation to do something hideous that's coming out of the blue. That's Satan. That's not you having a bad day. And for some of you here, you need to wake up to the fact that you are under attack. And what Satan often does is he takes his chances. He takes a godly person who would never do anything ridiculous and says, steal that. And it's weird. And you think, where does that come from? I don't want to steal anything. But he's trying to take his chance to get you to ruin your testimony. He's trying to... Just get you to just spoil everything that you've built up over the year. And again, please don't raise your hand with this. This has happened to me. And I don't know whether it's happened to you. Well, in fact, I think I know it's happened to you. 
in your most holy moments, maybe you're praying in your bedroom at home or, or in church, you know, everybody's worshipping, and you have the most impure thought. Has that ever happened to you? You can mumble instead of saying amen. <laughs> that's, that's a fiery dart. That's not. You see what the devil's trying to convince you that, oh man, you're really, you're doing all this praising, but you're, this is what you're really like on the inside. No, no, you're not. That's a fiery dart where the enemy is trying to say, this is what you're really like. It's not you, it's him. You're right, Sheila, because he's a liar. And he's the father of lies, and he speaks lies as his native language. I speak English as my native language. He speaks lies as his. These fiery darts will come. And I want you to perhaps realize that that's what's happening to some of you. Let me talk about the first half of the verse for a moment. The nature of the shield of faith. Now, if you're going to use the shield of faith, can I just say to you, the shield needs to be up. It's no use having a fiery dart that hits you and then you go, oh, I'll put my shield up now. That's no use. So the first thing to know about the shield of faith is you have to have it up all the time. In order for it to be of use, it, it, it means that we have to have this ongoing trust in the word and in the person behind the word all the time. So whatever you're going through right now, you need to begin to confess and to say and to begin actually to progress in, I trust you, God. I'm putting my faith shield up of trust and love to you. I trust you, God. So come on, just pray along with me one more time. I trust you, God. I trust you for my children. I trust you for my future. I trust you for my job. I trust you for whatever I'm going through. You see, that shield needs to come up now. Have you ever seen Star Trek? I mean, I'm not really a Star Trek-y person, but when they get attacked, they go, oh, put the shields up. And they take a few hits first. Bad strategy. Let's get the shields up now. Come on. I trust you, God. And the nature of... Uh, this type of faith is, is that the shield is this resting utterly on Christ and what he has for the direction for your life. To say, God, whatever you have for me in the future, I'm resting on that. Not faith in faith, but faith in focusing on his face and saying, God, I trust you now. You see, every one of you is exercising faith right now. Right now, you're exercising faith. How many of you trust that that chair can hold you? If you just put your feet out the front and take your feet off the floor, just for a moment, everybody just do that. Just take your feet off the floor. Every one of you. For some of you, that's hard. I know. If you, if you can do that, just take your feet off the floor. You're completely now trusting that chair. You can have, please put your feet down because if we did that for the rest of the service, we're going to have some abs that are going to put me off my preaching. You know, we're just going to get some workouts going here. You've got to let him hold you. You've got to rest on him. You've got to say, I believe you're holding me. Some of you have got some long-term issues that you keep taking back off him. Let him hold you. The only other thing I want to say to you today is that standing in this, 
in this faith shield means you have to stand on the word. And, you know, I, I was the pastor of an American church one time, an American Air Force over here uh, near Upper Hayford, uh, near Vista in Oxfordshire. And uh, we had lots of interesting people and 70% of the church was men. And uh, it was like, you know, the worship was like uh, army chants. It was just kind of this strange kind of church. And, uh, but um, we, we used to have some lovely people who come by from the deep south in America, you know, and they'd be stationed over here. And there was, a, there was a, one of the outlining bases to our church was in Fairford in Gloucestershire. And that, they had a big air show there. And one of the pastors, of, uh, it was under me, he was pastoring a fellowship down there. He'd come on Sundays. And I thought, he was such a nice guy. Now, let me, let me just say to you that his style was not my style. And, and my style's different and may not be the flavor for everybody else. But he was deep south preacher. And I, I can't do that y'all accent, you know. But he was a deep south preacher. But, you know, and he, he would always have incredible titles to his sermons. He'd stand up and he'd say, today I'm going to preach on nothing. And then he'd go, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And everybody go, ah, oh, you got me again, you know. He's this incredible kind of strange preacher. And he's a great guy, you know. And, and uh, as a pastor, you worry about what people do in your church. Did I say the word worry? Uh, sometimes you're spiritually concerned about what people do in your church. And, and he, he was preaching away, and um, he did, a, he did a, a strange thing. And the, there's, a, there's a couple in our church, and John, I'm going to call them John and Susan. That's not their real names. And, and, and John and Susan were, had been struggling to have children. And uh, he, he preached about trusting in God's word. And he said, now, if you've got a prayer burden, what I want you to do is I want you to come and I'm going to put my Bible down and I want you to stand on God's word. And actually, he got people coming out to the front and they stood on God's word. Now, I know this is kind of offensive to some of you, so please, you know, uh, we respect God's word, we, we love God's word, but he was trying to make the point, we have to put all of our weight on God's word. Now, you know I usually preach from my iPad, but I'm not standing on my iPad for this illustration. <laughs> but, but, I really, but I really want you to know that I do respect the Bible more than I respect my iPad. I'm just trying to make an illustration here. Anyway, this couple come out, John and Susan, they've been struggling to have children and, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking as a pastor, I was thinking, oh, man, I hope this is not cheesy. I hope this doesn't, you know. But she just came out. I know she started to cry. And what she was saying was, by standing on God's word, is she saying, you know what, God, whatever you have for me, whether it has children or not, I'm trusting you. You've got my life. That's what, that was kind of the commitment she made. And so today, I'm not promising if you're struggling in that area. In my family, we've got struggles in that area. You know, but I'm not promising that. I'm, I'm just saying if we stand on God's word, whatever God has for us, it will come about. Yes. And, and that's what we have to have as our faith shield. You know, in this city, there are many faiths. And one of the faiths, they would just find it abhorrent for, for us to stand on a holy book. They, they would. But, you know, I'm glad that my God has skin. That he came and he, he dwelt with me and he loves me and he wants me to get close to him. My God isn't unknowable and he's not so high that I can't speak to him. He loves me and he embraces me and he, and he invites me back to his heart. 
wonder what words you're standing on today. I wonder if your whole life is built upon an accusation of a parent that said you were useless. And actually, that's what you're standing on. I wonder what word you're standing on, whether it's a, a limiting word, whether it's a glass ceiling word that's saying you're never going to make much of your life. I've told you this before, one of the first things that happened to me when I felt like I was called to the ministry was a pastor who said to me, oh, how can you be a pastor? You can't drive. I'm not standing on that word. I'm not standing on that limitation. I'm standing on the flawless word of God that says, I can use anybody, go therefore into the world and make disciples. What word are you standing on? You know, at the end of this service, I'm going to invite some of you to come and to bring an ongoing situation. I may even get some of you to stand on my Bible. Just as a symbol that you're saying, whatever you've got for me, Lord, I, I believe that you have it. You see, the shield of faith is about stopping the traffic that comes in to your mind. The shield of faith is about having that thought that once you have it, that you deal with it immediately and straight away according to the word of God and according to the person you love in Jesus. That person is Jesus. Hey, do you ever remember, I don't know whether, you, whether we still have these, the policemen who would direct traffic and so on. And uh, Phil, you might know this, they'd have a white glove, wouldn't they? And they'd hold that white glove up and, you know, you just have to stop. And, you know, they direct this traffic and that traffic. I, I think some of you need to hold up the glove and say, stop. This thought is stopping now. I tell you what we've got. We haven't got a policeman with a white glove. We've got a savior with a nail-pierced hand that says, stop. Stop. Stop the traffic. See, that's what I think about the whole area of not quenching the spirit. It's the other thing of instead of stopping what the spirit's saying, that you say, yeah, I'm open. I'm, uh, please come in. But actually, the openness to the spirit is opening the gate and saying, Lord, come, come, come. And the, the, the shield is saying to the enemy, stop now. Stop. I'm going to ask Natalie to come. And would you all just stand with me? Because... I just want to uh, just finish today by just saying, look, this Roman shield that they had, let's all stand, shall we? The, the Roman shield that they, that they had was, was often two pieces of wood clamped together with metal, covered in linen, covered in a hide of a, of a cow or an ox, and it was soaked often in water, and it would quench flames. And what I think we need to do is soak ourselves in God's word. So, soak ourselves in, in his presence. And, and, and those thoughts that come into our mind, that we, that we stop them. And we say, I'm stopping this now. Here's what I want to say to you. I believe that some of you have been muddling through. You've had lots of fiery darts in your mind. Accusations. Unholy things. Things that aren't good for you. And you've actually thought, oh, I'll just carry on, I'll just carry on. Instead of recognizing it for what it is, it's the enemy trying to inflame your mind, distract you, destroy you, and move you away. And you need to say, you know what? That's been happening to me. Stop. 
By the way, the, the family that I was talking to you about, when she, that lady who stood on the word, can I just let you know that she has four children right now? But I know that she stood on that word saying, I trust you. And you just raise a hand with me right now and say, I trust you. I'm trusting you, God. You see, when you soak yourself in the presence of God and in the word of God, and you start saying, I'm going to trust this. This is the horse I'm backing. This is the, this is the life belt that I'm putting on. This is what I'm trusting on. This is what I'm basing my life on. That when you do that, the shield of faith comes up and the, and the darts and the, the thoughts begin to cease and you begin to get clarity. Because, look, the Bible says, and it says this, you will be able to extinguish the flames of the fiery darts. You will be able to do this. And so your faith works if you'll just begin to use it and begin to trust Him. You will be able to spoil the work of the enemy in your life. This is not a hit and hope. This is not a, oh, I'll try what Pastor Mark says, but I bet I'll be depressed tomorrow. No, you won't. If you begin to trust in the Word of God, eventually it will break open. You will come to a place of peace and victory in your life. From that grace stance, you can do this. It's possible. The Bible says so. This attack from the enemy, here's the word of the Lord to you. This attack from the enemy, it will not get the better of you. You will not be defeated, says the Lord. Mm. So I'm going to ask one or two of you, maybe three or four, five or six, 20 of you, how many ever, that you've been dealing with something for a while and you want to say to God, I trust you with this and I'm bringing it to you. I brought it to you many times before or there's something that in your life that you need to trust God about. I want you to leave the seat where you're standing right now and begin to say, I'm bringing this to God and I'm saying, I trust you with it. Why don't you do that? Who's going to be the first where you say, yeah, actually, I'm going to bring this situation to God and I'm going to say, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I stand on your word. If there's somebody here that you have a healing that you need, come on, let's pray for you. Let's pray that God would minister to you. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. 